everyone and welcome to episode 52 of Digital Digital Get Down. We officially have one year's worth of podcasts now. Yeah, I'd say one a week is the prescribed dosage of this show. <laughs> yeah, anything more and I don't know that that's What are the side you. effects? Oh my gosh. Um, Incurable laughter? Getting the good news, bad news jingle stuck in your head. Mm. I can't believe we forgot to have Elizabeth sing that last week. Remember how good she did the other time? Oh, we didn't sing we it? We didn't sing it. We mm. got so distracted. We also didn't do any of our theme songs last week. We were like, Mm-mm. too much going on with special guests and too many topics. We had a lot of topics. Too many yeah. topics. What did we decide that our new um, TV show topic was going to be? Should we save it for when we actually have When a crime show? breaks out, <laughs> all the cute girls shout, there's a good looking guy. When there's a crime out there, he's going to comb his hair because he's the good looking guy. That's a little tease. I, I thought it was we could do a whole a whole run of Boy Meets World things. I need to apologize because you've made me a stiff non-mocktail. So for, this, for the purposes of, an, of a bookstagram photo, you're like suffering the, for this. The whitest sentence you've suffering ever said. Suffering for the art. We just signed up at a, co- a grocery co-op and now you're making me a cocktail for your Instagram. We're just like living up the whiteness today. I also did a brunch with bottomless mimosas today and went to a farm. How many market. did you have? Unclear because they just keep pouring them. Like every time you drink like two sips. It's not they like come Red Robin where they only get six fries at a time. No. No. Hmm. They were very heavy handed with the pouring. Wow. So it needed to be like the um, Brazilian barbecue places where like you have a stop and a go yeah. kind of thing. There was not that. Every time you like were talking they would just come and fill it up again. So I have no idea. Mm. Walking around the farmer's market and sitting at the park was um, less of a choice and more of a necessity for sobering up purposes. Although it was my favorite park that we were at, so. And I took a book photo at the park, too, and I'm sure people thought I was weird. You know what my not favorite Minnesota thing is? That there's this could be a lot of things. That thirty thousand people all descend on whatever bar is having Harry Potter trivia that night of the week. Oh yeah, I can't believe I didn't have that on my notes for it's bad the news this worst week. thing J.K. Rowling has ever done to me. Is in is flooded, flooded the streets with Harry Potter trivia so goers. The problem with Minnesota is that they want to pretend that they're all laid back about these trivia nights, so they don't let you do reservations. Oh my god. So, like, when I've done it before, when I did it in Boston one time, and when I did it in Melbourne, like, you needed to make reservations, and once they were booked up, like, that was that. And it was reservations, like, weeks ahead of time. And it was a little bit annoying, because you'd be like, oh, I can't just decide to go tonight. But at the same time, you were like, I know I have a table, and all of my friends have a seat to sit on. Yeah. Not sitting on the ground with fire breathers next to you. Oh my god. And, Yeah. An experience. It was an experience, not a very fun one. And I have no I knew, idea. I knew did. one question out of thirty, and I think I would have gotten it wrong. I got Harmony's Elf program promotion, not. I would have said protection problem. So I got zero right then. I knew nine and a half out of the ten actors that they did, though. Hmm. Actor pictures. Actor pictures. Okay. I did pretty good on that. But yeah, not the most fun thing. That's like the, this is the second or third time this has happened to us in, in um, yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, that's why I'm blaming it on Minnesota specifically. That's what I'm saying. Just let us take reservations. Gosh. Anyways, next time or next week we're going back to our regular trivia night. So okay. Hopefully that'll be better. What else you got? Um, I was going to ask you quite of how you felt about something, but I think I'm going to leave it for the upcoming. Okay. So well, that's a little tease. Put a tease out there. Hmm. I was just going to point out to everyone that I bought you kiwis from New Zealand, which seems like a marketing opportunity that no one has jumped on. Kiwi squared. Kiwi squared, exactly. Yeah. We also decided that gluten-free bagel bites would probably be the most lucrative business we could go into right now. Yep. Artisanal gluten-free bagel bites. veggie Cheez-Its? I ate a whole box of veggie Cheez-Its and I regret nothing. Veggie Cheez-Its? Yeah. Red leather, yellow leather, veggie Cheez-Its? Veg. This is a strong drink. <laughs> you had one and a half sips so far. You were the one that said, told me to kept, keep pouring. Yeah. I'm still running a little bit on those mimosas from earlier. All right. So we're going to go into good news and bad news and whatever news Bennett wants to talk about today. No. Good news and bad news only. Um, do you want to do bad news first or good news? I'm a little bit slim on the newses this week. Most of my, the first couple of my good news are like tongue-in-cheek good news. Like I'm okay. good, I'm happy that there's bad stuff going on. Okay. It's Chowden Froud news. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, movie Pass being number one. Yep. Because we've talked about numerous times how like you really should not base your business on losing money on every single transaction and still be held up as like a a really cool service. Mm-hmm. So Movie Pass is probably on its last legs. Facebook stock also took its gigantic tumble in the last week. Cool. Which seems like it's probably um, probably was due for. Uh, Twitter took a little bit of hit as well, so I, I laughed at that. Um, my real big good news of the week, though, is baseball-related. Okay. Uh, so the Twins are now unwatchable. They traded their only relevant players, Who all I of liked? them. Who did you like? Eddie? No, Eddie's still there. Okay. But they traded um, Eduardo Escobar, who was one of the fan favorites. Yeah. Now... I did not particularly take to him while he was on the Twins, but now that I'm catching up on his legacy, he apparently has a very strong connection to Fogo de Chao. Okay. Um, he went on like a hot streak in the month of June, and afterwards the, the press was like, you know, Eduardo, what can you attribute this to? And he was like, honestly, I've eaten that Fogo de Chao every night for the last every week. Every night? It's like literally across from Target Field. So he just yeah, goes there he... with his crew. But the, every time I go there, I feel like I can't eat again for a month. How can he eat there every night? That's what I'm saying. So after one game, fucking ads. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> There's the X. Someone, one of the press members asked Escobar what his dinner plans were for the night. His answer... 14 million percent Fogo de Chao. That's how much he was really committed. And there's no for them? no evidence that there's any actual sponsorship. But then I thought just give him free shit this was the best part. He knew he was on the trading block. He went to the Twins management and said, You can trade me, but it has to be to a city with Fogo de Chao. So he's going to Boston? No, he ended up in Arizona. Did there's they have one. A Fogo de yes. Chao? yes. That was actually his. I mean, I'm sure he was joking, but. Reportedly, he was unwilling to be traded to any team whose home ballpark was not located near a Fogo de Chao. Fenway is pretty close to one. So St. Louis would have been out, Cleveland would have been out, and Milwaukee would have been out. And potentially Los Angeles. Hey man, I really like Fogo de Chao. No Fogo de Chao would be no bueno. Big meat <laughs> equals big hits. <laughs> As a vegetarian, I love. I just love it still. I love it. Fogo de Chao or his, his, his big his, meat equals big yeah, hits? Yeah, it's great. So those were kind my his big, big those were his my big meat energy. Yeah, that's a meme reference. Do you have any good news? Anything um, to be happy about? Kind of. I have one serious one and one that's like not even really news, but made me happy this week. So it kind of restarted Parks and Rec rewatch for like the fourth time. We're in a TV rut. In case you're new to the show, huge TV rut. I think our bodies, it's just a cyclical thing, and we know from our childhood, like I've said before, summer means no new TV, you just watch junk. I just, I don't know, I just feel like I've not been in a TV mood lately, at all, like even on, like, on my own with the shows I'm watching, I've watched a little bit of um, Bold Face Club. What? Bold Face. Oh, bold ty- the Bold Type. <laughs> yeah. Bold Face. Spin-off. Spin-off. Um, I've watched a little bit of the bold type from DVR. I've watched a little bit of Uran Host Club, the anime what that What words Elizabeth are you got, saying there? The anime that Elizabeth got me into. Just say it one more time. Oran Host Club. Okay. This um, drink is making sounds. Is it fizzing because of the tonic? Hmm. Or are you just so drunk you're just hearing colors at this point? Mm. Um. Anyways, Parks and Rec. Yep. Makes me happy. It's very Except relaxing. Except for Louis C.K. Separately. You could edit him out and Mark. Mark Brandanowitz. Brand Boringowitz. Um anyways, the the season two cold open. Oh yeah. Was so funny. I like made us go watch it a different time. Yeah. It's like Ron comes in. It's not gonna be funny when I explain it. Ron No, not at all. Ron Swanson comes Don't in. Don't get a drink, people. Ron Swanson comes in and he's like, Leslie, I need to tell you something. Or what does he say? I don't know. It's some <laughs> sort of line of a, a rap song that we don't know, but it's still hilarious. Um and then she just goes on this like three Here's minute... the situation, I think he yeah, says. Yeah, he said, here's the situation. And then she's like, your parents are out of town and they left the Porsche. And then she does this whole <laughs> rhyme for like literally three minutes. And yeah. she comes back in and she's like, how about that? And then she's so like, what are you going to... So what do you need me for, Ronnie? Like, someone's on fire in Ramsett Park and they need you to get down there right away. And she's like, 
oh, oh my God. Oh God. It just runs out of the frame. <laughs> Anyways, it's hilarious. It is very, like, on brand for Leslie Nope, and I love her so much. Okay. Um, my other good news was that um, I saw the story about a Guatemalan mother who was separated from her kids with the um, whole immigration detention yeah. center thing. And people banded together and drove her from Arizona to New York where her where her kids were being kept because they were separated. That's a long drive. Yeah, so all these people like did different legs of the journey and got her... Like, like an Olympic torch. Yeah, like the Olympic torch and wow. got her all the way from Arizona to New York City so that she could be... so that she could visit her kids and, and eventually um, people also fundraised to like pay to get... Um, or I think they paid for her bail to get out okay. or something like that because that's the other problem with it is like the bails are like $10,000 or something for like... They're setting the bail super, super high for sure. these immigration charged things. So... Like, obviously, if they're immigrating here from a bad situation in their country, they are unlikely to have ten grand USD. That was a, a missed opportunity for Uber or Lyft to get in right? some, some good PR and sponsor the whole trek. Maybe that should be their next thing. Win a, win a cross-country trip with random people. <laughs> anyway, so I thought that was a really nice story. And, like, the mom That's gave a press com conference about how she was so happy to be back with her kids and how she you know, to God bless all the strangers that helped her out, and it was really lovely. Good. Of course, it's like one person out of thousands that are in this situation, but it was an, hmm. a feel-good story about it. Okay, let's do some bad news. I only have one bad news, and it's a real weird one. Okay. That fucking ad on, I don't even know what a TV channel it was for the Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. It was very weird. It was like FX or something. They have this very weird commercial advertisement thing that's like a fan video is what it looks like. And it's like to this, some like swingy song with like yeah. loves a crazy game and it's Katniss and PETA. And it just drives me insane because like the Hunger Games is not a love story. I understand that there's a love triangle in it because it's a YA and it like adds drama and whatever. Yeah. But... Like, nobody reads those stories for You show up because romance. kids are killing kids. You show up because, like, it's a badass girl and she's trying to save her family and there's government conspiracy and there's all these other broken people. And, like, I understand that some people really like the romance and there's, like, Team PETA and Team Gale and whatever. But, like... You realize that once these movies have been on television for eight years... These networks just do weird shit to try to make people go, oh, maybe I'll watch that. I mean, we're talking about it, but in an angry way, in like a change the fucking channel, I'm not watching this kind of way. Yeah. It was just so uh, tone deaf to me and very weird and just did not make me want to watch the show. And just like, once again, anything that like a teenage girl is in, like folk make, making it all about romance and not about the fact that she like saves the whole civilization. It just seemed very demeaning and misogynistic. You would be so good at those those screening sessions where they bring people in. I would be you really would good go at that. You would go all out. I would be really good at that. By the way, this episode is brought to you by Diet Coke. Here's Britta to tell you more. I fucking hate that commercial, too. Yeared it up. I thought that commercial was dead, and now it's making a comeback. In the theaters the other night. In the theaters. Are we also going to talk about the volleyball movie? Oh, dear. Is that bad news as well? I think so. Well, I celebrated because I was like, this movie never made it to theaters, didn't it? Didn't it? Straight to DVD. Yeah. Confirmed Did we already talk about that one on this podcast? I don't think so. Mm. Um, this book, this podcast is actually sponsored by Book Digits, B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S dot com, a mm -hmm. smarter way to review books, right? Discover. Books. Discover. Discover books. Yep. Um, it's also sponsored by the Book Digits Instagram, which is probably not really getting any users for us, but I'm having fun with no it. No offense to California, but it's on fire! Oh, I forgot my real good news. California's wildfires? <laughs> no, 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 no. How no, did no. this segue? <laughs> no. You're terrible. From Book Digits Instagram. Oh, I won my first giveaway. You did. I won a giveaway We're from taking this really charity. nice I've, lady in the I've UK. I quit my job. We're living no, off this haven't. now. I got... Uh, I won, I do all these giveaways that are probably super annoying on the Instagram, and I won one, and I'm getting a free book from, all the way from the UK. Charity, yep. And I'm really excited about it, and it's going to be, like, I got to pick, some of them are like, win this extra copy of this book that's been in, under my bed, but <laughs> this one was, like, win, like, a book, like, give me three options of books that you want, and I'll pick one and send it to you as long as it's, like, under the price limit. We'll see so if I'm she delivers. I'm getting a new book that I really want. We'll see. 
So I'm excited. And I, I do different ones on different of these contests. So some of them are just like books that I've already read, but I want to own a copy of. Um, but this one I did, this time I did like new books that I haven't read yet. So. And in the future, we're going to do it together because it's a shared account. Sometimes I put Illuminae on them. Sure. Because that's for you. But I also want to save that as a Christmas gift for you. I do need an orange book <clears throat> for my rainbow books bookshelf, though. Again, audio only podcast. Um, we're wearing skimpy clothing, though, folks, so you can picture that. Because we have to turn the air conditioning off. It's already we climbed, make sacrifices. It's already climbed two degrees in here since we started this. Fact. It's in. It's like eighty um, degrees. You in our skipped house right now. over my bad news segment. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna keep it. You keep were the it. one that said sponsored by, so I just rolled with it. I'm gonna keep it short. Fortnite. Parents are hiring Fortnite tutors children, for their children. Children told me about this and how they thought it was so silly. It's so it's not sad. all. It's not, it's all not the kids. silly. It's sad. It's not all the kids that I kids know. at camp this week told me about that. That's but some of the mothers were interviewed and they said, "I'm fine with them playing Fortnite 16 hours a day, but I really don't like it when little Johnny loses. So I can't be having him lose. Maybe he should be better. Maybe he should try harder." What what are what is Generation Z going to be called if not snowflakes? What do they become? I hate when you say snowflakes. Mm, I know that's why um, I said it. What do you mean? What's going to be their their moniker? Yeah, it's a good vocabulary. That was be. okay. Yeah, um, like how we're millennials. Is that what you're saying? No, how we're snowflakes. No, we're millennials. Millennial snowflakes. Um, I don't know. Kiwis. No. Okay. Are we moving on? We're moving on. What do we have today? We have a book and we have a, a, movie. a movie. Did I see the movie? Yes. Yes, I we saw it together. We went on a nice date night the other night. I took you out for a date. I think we should talk about the book first. I was going to say we should talk about the movie first. We That's can do the book. just like us. We can do the book, honey bun. I got veggie crackers stuck up all up in my teeth. Gross. So drink more of your drink that'll okay. help. What are we talking about? I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. Oh. So... Previously on this podcast, we've talked about all we talked about all the bright places. Yeah, and this I read that book and this book pretty close to each other, and I enjoyed both of them pretty equally. I would say, oh. but I know you have very different opinions on that. So I I was not surprised you didn't like that one. I was surprised at how much you liked this one. This is one of the first books ever that you have rated higher than me that I yeah. recommended to you. That's true. So I gave Book digits can let you compare and you gave grades. It a full A. I gave it a full A. How many full A's have you given this year? Hey, that's the book I might get for free. The book of the yeah, week. Book of the week. There you go. Free ad. How many? What did you say? How many have I? What? <laughs> you forget. <laughs> Let's listen back. How many books have I rated higher than you that you recommended? Is Maybe. that the question? You really don't remember what no, you asked two seconds ago. Then got distracted. We have 136 books no, on common. How many? To, how many books have you given an A this year? That was my oh, question. Oh, okay. Because I think people aren't understanding how rare it is. Like I give out A minuses like decently yeah. often. Like if I really enjoy a book, A minus. Yeah. If it's like pretty good, B plus. So um, I'm actually having a decent year. I think I I'm have. Not. I think I have five A's for the year. I'll well, tell you in a second. Last month I had such a bad uh, month. The last couple month? of books have just been like C C C. Maybe you should let me start picking books for you. Maybe. Last month I had. Um, last month I had A minus C plus A minus A B plus B minus B plus B minus C minus D plus. Wow. I know. I've given uh, I've given him five A's. Yeah, I was right. So Illuminae and Obsidio, one got an A, one got an A minus. Mm -hmm. I'll give you the Sun got an A. Mm -hmm. Hate you give got an A minus, and a short story collection I really liked got an A minus. So four of the five that you've given uh, in the A ranges. Uh, correct. Were from me. Um, I mean Obsidio, you weren't telling me to read. I told you to read that. You okay. didn't know it was out. Your two A's. Correct. You, you only gave two full A's, and both of them were recommendations correct. from me. Yeah, okay, yes, but if someone looks at my rating list, like 23 out of the 24 books were recommendations, so let's go back to statistics class. Whatever. I hated statistics. Okay, roundabout way of saying, this book is really, really good. Amazing. You, uh, I think that you like young adult books that have really nice prose, which I think is some of the issue sometimes with young adult books, is that... I don't know if the authors intend to do it or um, 
or if it's just the more of the young adult style, but often it's a little bit more of a simplified style that sometimes is almost like writing down to the audience. Do you want to hear my real harsh hot take on this book? What? Jandy, Miss Jandy Nelson? Yeah. She should not be writing YA. She can be doing better things. But that's, that's my maybe hot take. that's the story she wants to tell. I know, but it I'm wasn't saying with, actually super YA. Like it, it was not. I wouldn't even like, like if we had a YA was, scale, I'd give it like twenty percent YA. It was about maybe. children, but like the bigger drama and the plot lines were about like parents and marriage and affairs and what love art. means and art, and uh, it wasn't just like oh, this girl falls in love with this boy. Like, well, there was that too, though. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I would love to read a more adult themed book not themed because this had adult themes like you're saying but uh a book aimed at adults maybe from jenny nelson yeah i think that you should read she so has the, a lot of talent. the first book that i read for her um from her was called the sky is everywhere it's on my to read list now on book i love that concept like the i've tried to explain it to you before and didn't do it very well right. we're in the sky right now the concept is like if the ground is below us then everything that's above the ground is the sky so the sky is everywhere. The sky is yeah. not just up. The sky is all around us, which I know, like scientifically, doesn't make she's a ton of sense. She's clearly wired to write YA book titles. That's for sure. Yes. She's, she's nailing that. I'll give you the sun. The sky is everywhere. Mm. So the sky is everywhere is a little bit more cliche with YA uh, themes and stuff. I think that was her first book, yes. which makes sense because it's definitely more in like in its lane of YA. Um, but the prose is maybe even prettier than I'll give you the sun. Oh, boy. Um, it's very emotional. And it's um, it's about death. Cool. And there's kind of a love triangle situation. Um, but there's all these, like, notes, little note sections. You know how in um, I'll Give You the Sun, there was the little asides that are yes, there. Yes, no for updating. his artwork or her... Or her Bible, Bible stuff. Yeah, yeah so um, the skies everywhere, like, expands on that. Like, there's little notes sections that are all over the book gotcha um that are really nice so yeah, all right really let's like center a bit sorry let's give a brief plot summary so, of i'll give you the sun i'll give you the sun has dual timelines slash Correct. perspectives two two first person narrators um there's which i said i hated loved it do we have a spider no it's like a japanese beetle cool um so there's centered some, the two characters are noah and jude twins and one Twins. of the timelines is Noah at 13 and a half. Going on 14, yeah. And the other timeline is Jude at 16. Correct. Um, so basically you're piecing together the story of what happened to their family and what happened to their relationship. Between, yeah. Um, as you're kind of moving forward in time through Noah and then like moving up towards Jude's storyline through Noah's storyline. Correct. So... It was interesting. I don't always love stories that are told in two timelines like that, but I thought this one was really well done in that each of them was its own kind of self-contained story, but it interwove with the other perspective really well. Yes. One important thing to point out is that the chapters in this book are really, really long. There's only like six or seven chapters total, say, I like think. Eight, maybe, maybe it's eight to give each four. So it does not have the issue like I had with uh, Carry On where you were switching, you know, I narrator's Every page, almost. I just, I might make you read the book I read yesterday. Um, when Meaning you started and finished it yesterday? Yeah, you were working all day. You were working. Um, it was only like 200 something pages. Um, it's called Wink Poppy Midnight. And um, I didn't like it that much, but I think it'd be interesting to talk about in the podcast. So I might make you read it. It's pretty short. Okay. Um, and we own it. It's one of the ones I got for like a dollar. We did that bookstore haul. Um, but it switched perspectives like every two paragraphs. Ugh. So it made it go by really fast, but it was also, like, a little bit sloppy. Okay, so tell us about Noah and Jude. Um, so Noah and Jude are both artists, um, and their mom was an artist or an art fanatic, and their dad's Correct. a scientist. And they were really, really close, like best friends, and then something happens that you don't really know at first. A couple things, um, yeah. A couple things happen that kind of drive them apart. So Noah is closeted. You find that out kind of... First sentence, page one yeah. um, that he's attracted to guys and hasn't ever told anyone because there's people that already pick on him, pick on him at school. Plus, he has like a kind of tough relationship with his dad for not being manly enough or whatever. Um, and then Jude at the time is kind of going the opposite direction and is acting out and wearing tight clothing and being provocative just mm -hmm. to get attention and get a rise from mostly from her mom. Get a rise. Um, 
and the start the beginning plot centers around them applying to this arts um, school, special high school, special yeah. high school for the arts. This is it's based in like California, I think somewhere like generic NorCal. Yeah, I know you have an issue with the. We'll setting. talk about the setting. Yeah. Um, so then you flash forward to Jude's perspective from two years later, and she's at the art school, and Noah's not. Even though he was like the one who loved art more. And he was the one who felt like he needed an escape from the people that he was in high school with because he wasn't popular and being picked on, whereas Jude was like in the cool crowd. Um, So flash forward two years and she's the one at this weird art school and he's the one that's now on the cross country team and kind of like dating girls, dating girls and hanging out with all the cool kids at the spot. Yeah. Um, so Jude has kind of gone in a downward downward spiral and from some events that you figure out. He's also jumping off a lot of cliffs. Did we mention that? Um, she used to jump off the cliffs and then he switched to jumping off the yeah. cliffs. So Jude, in her fast forward part, Jude's in a little bit of a downward spiral and it leads her to this sculptor who sculpts out of stone. Correct. Like, she needs a new mentor in order to stay in the high school pretty much. And yeah, and he's pretty fucked up from some tragedy that you don't really know about at first. And um, But they kind of bond with each other over this tragedy. And um, that's where she meets, she also meets her um, love, love interest. interest. Oscar. 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 Um, and yeah, so then the earlier perspective of them at 13 is with Noah and he... Um, falls in love Has with a, a boy interest, that moves yeah. in next door. Um, Brian. Brian. So, like I said, you're kind of trying to meet in the middle of the two perspectives and figure out what happened in between and how they got where they are. Um, and then in the, the ending is kind of how to fix, how to mend things going forward. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it was a very... Um, like you said, it doesn't really feel super YA. It definitely has a lot of no. adult themes. And... Um, I think it starts off feeling a little bit more YA with Noah's perspective because he's younger. And yep. I think it gets a little bit more adult themes as it goes on and you find out about the, the mom and whatever. Yep. Um, what was I going to say? So I was prepared to hate it, even after reading the first few pages, because I was like, I'm going to get annoyed by Noah's voice. Mm-hmm. He, he, I love this book again. I'll just mention it. <laughs> But it's a lot easier to talk about things you hate than things yeah. you like. Um, he does not sound like a 13-year-old, in my opinion. 13-year-old, he's in 6th grade in this book? 8th grade, 8th grade. 8th grade. grade. Yeah? Yes. 7th or 8th, yeah. 8th. Eighth, eighth. Um, he talks like he's like a 60-year-old European artist. I think that's the point, though. That's supposed to point out that he's different from other yeah. people, and that's kind of how his brain works. Like... I'm just I'm just pointing out when we talk about the movie we're we're talking about later on like the internal monologue between the people that you see in that movie versus Noah like he he should be a prodigy. But you love the prose. You can't, I did. You can't have that prose. And that's what I was having... conflicted with at the beginning. I was like, this is so good, but I can't I can't buy that it's coming from a thirteen year old. But that's the whole point. But it sucks me up. That's anyways. the point is that he's supposed to seem like an old soul and a creative soul and whatever. Like I see what you're saying. It won but me it, over. It didn't bother me because I think that's supposed to be the point. He's not supposed to be like, "Hey, bro, let's hit the surf," because like yeah. he doesn't get along with those people. I know it won me over pretty quickly. He does have these funny asides where he imagines a picture that he's going to paint. And he titles it, and they're all really quirky, funny titles. Yeah, and very just really lends to like the imagery of it. Um, I was gonna say like. A lot of literary books involve art, which is normally one of the keywords that when I see it in the description, I push it aside. Yeah. This was like the first book I can remember where I was interested to read about, read about visual art. Like she did a good, a, a very nice job of describing it and making it and, alive. And not just having it be like tortured artist, but having it be like the different way that he sees the world. Yeah. And even Jude... Um, who kind of rejects her art or is kind of um, tries not to give in to the artsy side of or the yeah. creative side. Um, it made it, me want to sculpt. She like even her like the way that she sees the world. It's not it's not just art thrown in there for the sake of a topic. It's like you can tell that it's like deep ingrained in both of the characters' personalities and um, characterizations is this yep. love of art. And it's not just like I go to art school. I'm quirky. It's it's like the way they see the world. Yep. Um, and Jude is a little bit different. Jude, her asides are about this, like, 
quote-unquote Bible that her grandmother wrote with all these, right. like, weird superstitions There's and a, Yeah, beliefs. a thread of superstitions that was actually connected to her mother and her her father's mother. So, like, right. her, her mother's mother-in-law. Her paternal grandmother and her mother. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, she buys into most of these superstitions that lead her to carrying an onion in her pocket, among other various things. Yeah, and I think that... As you go on in the story, you realize that she doesn't really buy into them. She's just desperate for something to believe in, especially after, mm -hmm. like, the people that she's lost in her life and the tragedies and kind of feeling very um, aimless. Out of control. Like, not in control. Yeah. yeah. So I think that as the book goes on, you, you figure out that she's really just doing it as something to grab onto and something to believe in. Um, That's beautiful. she doesn't believe in a lot else. Um I thought the ending, although it was a little bit neat for my liking, was I liked the message of it. I find yeah. that sometimes YA books, the message is just like, be yourself. But this one, like, I thought the message was, um, like, be honest with people because it's it's actually going to, like, make them happier in the end to, to know the truth than it is to keep on living a lie that they can't, doesn't make sense to them. Yeah. So I think that was the biggest thing is there was a lot of a lot of the issues that they had the between relationships were like communication issues because one person thought they were protecting someone else by not telling them the truth. But in the end, like not to be cheesy, but like the truth sets you free. Like basically these people were so unhappy because they were hiding these secrets or because they didn't understand what really happened. Mm -hmm. And when they when they all found out the truth about each other it actually gave them kind of the tools they needed to heal and like the information they needed to, to move on with their lives. You don't even need me here. <laughs> You're just spouting poetry. So yeah, I really liked the ending of the book as well. I, I, I did think. as well. The I, second time reading mm, it a little bit less so. I rushed through the ending. I think I'd like to go back and reread the last section probably slower. Yeah, Cause there's um, a lot of connections that happened very quickly and the, well, the perspectives you, jump quicker. You, you, the first time you read it, you knew like, the connection between the characters. I figured that out right um, away. In terms of the I affair. I figured it out early. I don't think right away, but I figured okay. it out, like, before the official reveal. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to go back to the style for a little bit in yeah. connection to the ending. Because another thing that Janie Nelson does that I think a lot of great writers do is she stretches out scenes. Like, some of her 50-page chapters are is like a set of dialogue that's only like 10 lines back and forth. Yeah. But she packs so much, you know, in between each um, piece of dialogue. But, where without, you learn, but without mm. making it seem like the person just sitting in their head thinking, staring at a wall. Correct. Right. That's the magic to it is that she tells you things about the past and things about that internal person and things about that person's connections to the world and to other people. Yeah, that ties in with the art they're thinking of or right. the... the beliefs that they have or but yeah she's not running you through you know a hundred different scenes like in a book like bittersweet where every three pages they were in a new you know a new setting and talking about new things yeah. she knows how to let it like linger and how yeah. to let it ferment sounds like a really gross mm, word but that does so then in the very last section it's very dialogue heavy there's a lot of he said she said he said she said he said she said and that's to get like everything out there like you said, to get all, everything out in the open. Um, so when it, when the book started like that, I was like, she can't keep it up for the whole book. Like a lot of authors, you'll see a really good introductory chapter where they really spread out one long descriptive scene and you get a lot of backstory and you hear the character's thoughts a lot and then the plot has to pick up at some point yeah. and you get away from that and it just becomes more action-focused or dialogue-focused. She kept it up for like 85% of the book. Yeah. And then, yeah, in the last bit, she had to cover off a lot of stuff. So I didn't really um, ding the grade for that, but... Yeah, like, as a... You're going to take a sip of this, I'm drink. I'm going to try. Do you want water? That was a bad idea. Ugh. Have a sip of water. Oh, I'm going to chase that with some water. <laughs> the passion fruit is nice, though. I was right about that. Yeah. Um, you need a little citrus with your gin. Yep. Um, I was going to say, as someone who attempts to write... I think that balancing that uh, pacing and internal dialogue with external action can be mm -hmm. really, really difficult because yep. I think that 
the issue that I had sometimes in my book was like this it's too much of the character thinking and you're like what is he even doing just like staring at the wall while he's having these thoughts like right you kind of like go off onto this long tangent of this internal monologue of the character but it's really hard to balance that with what's going on externally and the situation that they're in and the thoughts that they're having and figuring out how to flip back and forth between right. the two of those and she does an excellent job because when that. you're talking so to hard. another person there's you know a half a second between you and him talking right but you somehow have to build that all into the characters and into the story. So yeah, I think it's a great book for writers to read. Just how I talked about in Bittersweet, how I really loved the tone and I thought um, you know, authors could see how that was done. I think this would be a great way in terms of the style and the presentation. It's like the most you've gushed about a book in a while. This is turning into a Jandy Nelson fan podcast. She gosh, golly. She got you. Um... So we're going to talk about the setting a little bit, just very briefly. Sure. It, it takes place in Northern California. But, but like a extremely, mystical, magical Extremely NorCal. generic NorCal, where they are in this bubble. You know, there's not a ton of... There's the, you know, the theme of homosexuality and bullying, but it's a very bubbleized novel. You mean like in terms of... Like Brian goes off and leaves the bubble for a while, and you're wondering where he is, but the focus is always in the bubble. The characters like are positioned in their bubble. Up. Yeah. Which is fine. Like we were talking about in Dirty Dancing, I love that bubble. Yeah. Um, and that was on again. That was on three times in a row I and watched, watched it. And you watched it and argued at the TV. <sighs> um, so yeah, the, the setting is nice. Like they have, they have coves, which like, is there anything better than a cove? No. Not really. No, Except for the movie The Cove. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> um, but they have like, it's like a... Field and a forest and the it's beach a surfing and the town. And the but they coast. have great schools. They have great forests. They have great houses. Everything's great. Um, yeah, it was very generic, mystical, magical NorCal. Um, so yeah, I mean the characters had their issues and they had their sadnesses, but they had a pretty. They were set up in a pretty nice situation. I loved the the, the dad. The dad was a very interesting part of this book. Yeah. Because I was reading the first half of it and I was like, what the fuck is it with YA dads? Every author is just like, my dad likes sports and I'm gay, so he's terrible. He's fucking terrible. Like Eleanor and Park. He's not even yeah. gay, but just like that he was. Oh, he watches sports. Oh, God, he can't be a good father then. <laughs> he can't be an ally to gay rights because he watches sports. Yeah. And and Jenny Nelson threw jazz under the bus too. <laughs> the dad watched sports and, and listened to jazz, and, and they were like, "Oh God!" And I was like, "Pretty sure a lot of gay people like jazz." <laughs> I think. So I was like mystified of that, but it comes back around, and really the reveal of that part is that uh, Noah doesn't even know his dad like at all. And that's the point. Is yeah, that, like he he's the one stereotyping his dad. It's Correct. Not, yeah, the author's not doing it. The character is doing and it. And they have a come together moment, and it's like the dad's like, "Yeah, I I love you more than anything. You know, you're my son. I, I admire you so much, and I'm so proud of you." And he's just like, "What? But you watch sports. <laughs> you listen to jazz." And then in the end, like you kind of figure Good out. God, I hope he doesn't watch the Utah Jazz. <laughs> oh my God. In the end, you kind of figure out that um, part of the reason he acted the way he did was he was being a little bit stifled by a force in his life, and that once he kind of like embraces some of the things that he used to like or embraces yeah. himself, that he like is his kids know him a little bit better and right. respect him more. <sighs> any any other notes on the book? Um. I don't think so. I just am so surprised by your passion for this book. It's been like a half an hour about Randy Nelson. It was really good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed reading it. I I read it slowly on purpose, which I rarely do. So I was savoring it, yeah. I was savoring it. I normally hate books with long chapters, hate books with multiple first-person narrators. Oh, so, that was the worst thing about, okay. Carry on, I know. No, no. Different book that I just read that I gave a D. Not the book you already talked about. Court of Frost and Starlight. Okay, we need to get you off the mass hysteria. Oh, good one. Um, I knew it was going to be bad, but I didn't think it was going to be this bad. There were five, six, five or six perspectives, two of which were first person, <laughs> and the others were third person. So sloppy. It was like bad fan fiction. Bad wow. fan fiction. Yeah, it was. It was a .5 book. You thought it was a yes. new... 
installment no, in the series. I knew it was a point. I knew it was basically an extended epilogue, but it was so unnecessary. Just no new information. Fucked up perspective switching. Now, no plot. Okay, so that's Sarah J. Mass. How do you feel about there being a number four in the Red Rising trilogy? Awful, because I only read the first one and, like, hated that I liked it. Like, I hate read most of it, and I was, like, mm. enjoying it and trying to get through it, and I also hated everything about it at the same time. So I've, I've not gone to read the second one yet. I just love that they're calling, that it was called the Red Rising trilogy, and now they have to say book four. Yeah. It's like, hello, publisher, we get it that you're trying to milk everything you can from this guy, but... Okay. Mary! Mary, are you ready to switch gears? <laughs> we didn't do... We never did it! The People books. tune in for our stuff and we never do it! We never give them the moon! Okay. So, w this is a movie that you were very skeptical of seeing. You came home, you're like, we gotta go see 8th grade! We gotta see it! Lauren Lopez. The 8th grade movie. Lauren Lopez kept calling told it. me. 8th grade movie. Go going to see 8th grade doesn't make any sense. Um, first time in the theater since Infinity War? It was, Which actually. is now out on digital and Blu-ray DVD. You gonna pick it up? Um, somebody recently asked me to go see that with them. Again. Because somehow Infinity it was still War? out in the theater. And Do I they wished, not know you? They don't know me very well. I was just like, uh, no, that movie's too depressing and sad. I'll never see it again. Thanks, bye. Um, so this was the first movie we'd seen since Infinity War. So we picked a very artsy theater. Almost died on the way home. Yep. One of the worst lightning storms I've just seen in my life. Just constant lightning. Just flash, 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 flash. Flash, just flash, like flash. Constantly. Like, it looks like they were fireworks. Like, um, And I made you leave the theater and walk to the car. Yep. Um, I will die based on lightning. You think so? I think so. I think I'll probably drown. Cool. I've always wanted you to get or eaten by an orca. Off, or fall off something really tall. I've always been afraid of falling. Cool. Um. Anyway, so... Movies. Maybe you will be on some top of something tall and you'll get hit by lightning and then I'll fall we off. We saw the movie 8th grade with like a lot of old ladies on yes. a Friday night. Who were like living their best lives. They were having the best They got time. all, they got the dap or the dab, whatever it is. They got that reference. They yeah. were a hooting and hollering. One of my... Um, they loved the gram. One of the evaluations that we give out from camp um, came back and said that the worst part of camp was one of the instructors dabbing and how we could improve the camp was to stop that specific instructor from dabbing. <laughs> It was great. Nice. I read it out loud in our meeting. Um, I will never ever dab. I'm too old for it. It just I can't. I'm not yep. gonna do it. Um, so yeah, we saw eighth grade movie. We saw it in like a theatery theater. Yeah. Like old school. Like looks like a theater with cushy red seats. Um, and you thought I was gonna be scarred by it. Yeah, I thought it wasn't what I expected. I'll just say that. Um, I thought. I don't think I enjoyed it very much. I think it was really well done. And I think the emotions were really well done. And I think there were, like, I was impressed that it was, like, actual middle schoolers in it. Like, they looked like middle schoolers and acted like middle schoolers. Agreed. But it wasn't, like, a very feel-good movie or a very fun-to-watch movie for me. It was a lot of secondhand anxiety and just, like, flashbacks to your own middle school experience mm. and just... A lot of awkwardness, which was, like, well done from a filmmaking perspective. But from yeah. a viewing perspective, it just, like, it's not like, oh, what a cute movie. It was like, oh, that was so uncomfortable. Yeah, I was very interested pretty much for the whole hour and a half watching it. I but got a you're right. bored. Walking out, I was like, I didn't enjoy any of it. Yeah. It was almost like a documentary. That's, yeah, that was going to be one of my points was that it kind of worked as a fake documentary, but... It didn't have the narrator explaining, you know, the themes or anything, so it didn't really. Um, so it was kind of caught in between the two. It certainly had some some funny moments, some nice moments, some emotional moments. Some good characters. The dad was the best. Dad was the best. Gabe yeah. was really funny. Gabe was really funny, yeah. Um, but... You know, the, the, the lead actress was phenomenal. She was very, very good. Yeah. She was a very good actor. It did seem like a documentary. Like it seemed like that was her real life and that was how and she I was mean, yeah, even if you're even if you're an awkward middle schooler, it's still very hard to act like an awkward middle schooler. Yes. And then you think about the scenes that she does where she's filming YouTube movies, then she's acting like, like an acting, acting yeah. like a middle schooler. Um I thought the funniest part was that one of her movies was just called Tips Dash General. Like, that's not going to get a ton of views, honey. <laughs> no. 
She tried so hard, though. She tried really hard. Um, I feel like you think this movie was, like, my middle school experience, and it was not. Yeah. I, I think had... it probably was, and you just no, it wasn't. repressed it. I had a lot of friends that I talked to at school. I didn't have a lot of friends that I hung out with outside of school, aside from Emily, and I didn't, like, have a ton of... I didn't get, like, invited to the cool parties and stuff like that. Yeah, but as but... we started reminiscing, like, I don't... I only remember hanging out with my family in middle school, outside of school. Yeah, so I tried, so, like, a sleepover or somebody's birthday or something. Hmm. It wasn't, like, every weekend you're, like, hanging out with kids from school. Like, you hung out with them during school and maybe you had somebody's birthday, but it's not you did family stuff, I feel like. Yeah. So we don't really have to get into the plot of this movie. It's basically about an eighth grader. For, like, With a week. the week going into eighth grade graduation. Yeah. Um... Were you, like, shocked by anything about, like, how today's 8th grade is different than our 8th grade? No. My answer is no. No. The, I mean, the phones is the only thing. Because yeah. in middle school and even in high school, I had a flip phone maybe senior year that I was allowed to keep in my bag, and that was it. I, I played Snake. A, I had a phone when I made the soccer team, because I needed it to, like, call my mom. For rides. From, for yeah. rides for things, but it was, like, a flip phone. Yeah. And I mean, I there was no 2G even in our high school. No. And then I didn't get an yes. iPhone until, what, it was 20? Oh, I didn't get an iPhone until after college. Was it after? It might have been after college for you me. You know, you so. had a flip phone when we lived together. You didn't get an iPhone until we lived together. You were like 23. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the part that was different, obviously. I just can't imagine. Like, I mean, and I guess schools let kids use their phones during the day? No? At you lunch. think that wasn't realistic? Like, they had them out at assemblies and stuff, though, and in class. Maybe. I don't think most schools let them have in class. I can't even imagine trying to focus on school when you have a phone. Can't even imagine. Yeah. Even, like, in college, just having the internet, having my own personal laptop and the internet yeah. was hard to focus, and that's when you're supposed to kind of be, like, an adult and you have some free time and stuff, like... So that was the I interesting... Had, like, yeah. I had no time for things in, in middle school or high school as it was. Like, I played sports you and had I had six minutes to and... get to class. You didn't have time to check your gram. Yeah. There was sprint. Like, I, yeah, I just, came, like, did sports or band and then came home and did my homework and went to bed. Like, I yeah. read fan fiction sometimes. And that's so, about the only thing I did on the internet. Honestly, those were the parts that made me cringe the most, were, were the phone and the social media usage. Like, the terrible, terrible scene where she's at dinner with just her single father. Yeah. And has her headphones in. And she says, you told me I could do whatever I wanted on Friday nights. And that means stares at her phone while she sort of eats with him. Yeah. I didn't that's have that terrible. attitude until later. And even <sighs> then, my attitude wasn't that bad. But um, I will say that I know we talked about Ingrid goes west on an earlier. I was gonna bring. Movie. We don't. We don't exchange notes before the show, folks. <laughs> you but don't I even was gonna have say notes. This, no. Um, mental notes only. Um, yeah, I thought it was a better version of Ingrid goes west. So much better don't. in terms of the the drain of social media and the addiction of it, and like who you try to be on social media, like all the t the selfies that she took, and yeah. like some of the best scenes I thought were like the montages of her trying to take selfies and posting them on social media, even though she has no friends in real life. Yeah. Um. So I really liked that, and yeah, I thought it was don't if you haven't seen either of these movies and you're like I'd love a like critique on social media from a yeah. like a teen point Taking of view. these words out of my mouth. Like. Don't see Inger Goes West. Skip that one and see Eighth Grade Movie instead. Let me give you the other quiz on that. Yeah. Do you see this movie or do you see Lady Bird? Um, I enjoyed Lady Bird more. Oh, okay. Because it was more fictionalized. Um, this one, yeah. like I said, was a little bit too real sometimes for me. Like some of you the situations like real and stuff. stuff. A lot. It's it was just a lot. You know, I struggle with secondhand embarrassment, mm. and it was a lot of like secondhand embarrassment or kind of like, no, don't do that. No, what are you doing? So I think Lady Bird was, was scripted, was more scripted and was more of like a plot, like a, I'm doing a thing that you can't see because it's an audio podcast, yeah. but it had like more Sign of the, waves. more of the up and down, like plotly rising action, falling Correct. action thing. Whereas this was a little bit more documentary style, mockumentary yeah, style. I kind of, that's why I think I enjoyed this one better because it was like, you know, the funny kid will probably show up eventually, but. Like, the timing of his reappearance didn't make a ton of sense. No. Like, in a more well, traditional movie, he would have shown up earlier and they would have gotten together and stuff like that. Well, it kind of made sense in that she kind of realized that she didn't actually want to grow up that fast and he's, like, the correct maturity level for True. her, like, what where she was comfortable True. with at the time. But I see what you mean. Like, it wasn't, like, a dramatic, very um, fake scripted kind of moment. 
And now, more importantly, better scene. This one with the banana or the peach scene from, oh, uh, what's that movie? Those are two different tones. <laughs> Both sexual fruit. Name. Sexual fruit. Take your pick. Sure. Uh, this one was funnier. Yeah, do kids really not like bananas? I don't like bananas. Well, you eat a banana every day! Yeah, because they're good for you. I, I don't like bananas at all. I really don't like their Did texture Did you ever practice blowjobs with banana? Definitely not. Truth or dare? Definitely not. Okay. Did you? Um, no. Never did an American Pie. Um, so I would say I thought it was also pretty good at, like, the scenes that showed, like, her anxiety and her panic attacks, kind mm. of. I thought it did a really good job of doing that cinematographically. Yeah. I got a little bit tired. Like, she had a great hunch, first of all. What a terrific hunch. Yeah, the slump when she walked. The slump was, like, spot on of, like, someone who's, like, going, like... Wearing a backpack. True, yeah. And, and she's, like, confident enough to, like, go about her life, but so not confident that that's just how she appears. Yeah. But there was a ton of scenes of you just following the slump. A lot of that. Also, I hated the, the audio and the music in this movie. Didn't notice. Didn't notice. Like, it was so loud. And when they would, would hit the heartthrob boy, who was just this scrawny guy, the noises that they would play, you didn't notice that at all. Not really. The oh, only thing God, that the I music noticed, was so great. The only thing that I noticed was, like, the headphones thing, which I thought yeah, was interesting. Yeah, they did fine with that, yeah. Um, yeah, didn't really notice the rest of it. Hmm. Sorry. Um, I also... Oh, I was going to say my least favorite part was the active shooter drill. God, I thought you were terrifying. gonna. I thought you were gonna say you appreciated how absurd that America was and terrifying. America is terrifying. Yeah, it's like the the drills that we like laugh at now from the fifties when it was like get under your desk in case there's exactly. a nuclear b nuclear bomb dropped on you or yep. the eighties exactly or whatever what it is decade that was the Cold War eighties not the fifties <laughs> history. Um, yeah. So yeah, like that's like the those drills that you're just like that's so stupid that wouldn't save you from a nuclear bomb. That's how I feel like the, with this. I'm like if someone's got a machine gun, you hiding under your desk is not going to help. Yeah. Like and it was just fucking terrifying. What's the last what's the last funny, funny movie we saw? Or a movie where I laughed out loud? Um I just feel like is it that have my have seen any movies? Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I laughed out loud a lot at the Taiki Watiti. Taika Watiti. Good call. Um like this is what really reminded me more of Ladybird, where there was like chuckle worthy moments, but there was no like Oh my god, that scene was hilarious. Like, I have to go rewatch yeah, that. It was, I think that was the bigger problem is that it was trying too hard for an honest portrayal, that there weren't enough comedic relief scenes in between the really awkward, uncomfortable scenes. Yeah. And I think that's the point. Like, the tone is supposed to be that she's like not, there's not a lot of laughter or happiness in her life, and she's kind of just like skating along and like not really enjoying things. Yeah. But from a moviegoer perspective, the yeah, I just meant like the scenes that were played for comedic value, like they were funny, but they weren't funny. Once upon a time, I saw Superbad and Wedding Crashers in a drive-in movie back-to-back. -back. Like that's three hours, especially on first viewing, that's three hours of like consistent laughter. Yeah. yeah. You're saying comedy is like... Zoolander 2 was on, on, was on TV today. I did not watch. <laughs> Far north New Jersey. It's still the funniest part. I don't know how mom makes this spaghetti soft. It's also a good part. Um, so yeah. If you want a very like honest, really well acted... No, I don't acted, think I'd recommend it to anyone. Well acted portrayal yeah. of middle school or eighth grade, then sure, but... Is this girl an actress or not? I don't think so. If, I, if people wanted like a raw indie, like unacted movie i would recommend american honey where shia labeouf is the only no i watched it without you shia labeouf is the only actual actor in the movie and the rest of the people are just off the street well i feel like a lot of these were actual middle school must like been, i appreciate yeah. that they did not look like you can't actors, get that many they looked like middle child schoolers. actors altogether yeah um so the dad was the best that was the best yeah you think we're you think we're the right age? Maybe target not. age? Maybe you either need to be younger or older. Maybe you need to be either relating with the dad or the girl, and I related with neither. So yeah, I thought this movie was going to be really fucked up. Like I thought it was going to be 
exceedingly sexual and naked and raw. Well, it was rated R. Why was it rated R? Because she looked up blowjob YouTube videos and, and she... said shit a couple times? Almost had some a sexual experience in a car with an older boy. With a male shirt off? Yeah. So it... Yeah, when I heard it was rated R and it was about 8th grade, I was like, this is going to be fucked up. You thought I was going to be scarred from it. Yeah. It was relatively tame. Yeah. Even a little bit boring, I'd say. Yeah. Because of the documentary style. It's not my... Not my preferred style. Yeah. All right. Is that all we have to say about it? Well, don't we have to like draw? Do we have any comparisons to draw between them? Oh. Our book and our movie. Right. Sure. Go for it. Um. Well, like I said, the protagonists are, are protagonists are just very, very different. Although I guess not terribly different because they both want the same things. They want love. They want success. They want happiness. They don't understand their dads. They don't understand their dads. Their dads. Their mom well. is gone mm-hmm. at a certain point in time. Mm-hmm. Very awkward and don't have friends and just want to be themselves. Yeah. Oh gosh, I have a lot of things to think about. What about your life? All right, let's wrap it up. Let's bring it to the home stretch. Okay. So at this movie, there was another trailer for Peppermint with Jennifer Garner. And I still want to see it, and I know it's going to give me the worst nightmares for the rest can of my I life. Can I watch it with, it. can you just edit out the scene where she goes, Justice! Yeah, it's a movie about your, you love your Batman. son and your, do I love any of the scenes where he talks about you Justice? You love Batman no. when it's a boy, and not when it's a woman Batman. Okay, I'm not complaining about her seeking of justice. Okay. But... You see her husband and children get murdered at the beginning of the trailer. Obviously, her aim is justice. She does not need to say the J word in a dramatic I hope, fashion. I hope that scene is like actually cut from the movie I, and it's I bet just it for is. the trailers. It's just like, everyone, let me let you know, this is a justice movie. It's about justice. This is about justice. Okay. It reminds me of a funny comic. I'm going to see if I can find it. It's like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like Superman flying on, Batman's flying on Superman's back, and Superman's like, um... <laughs> Is Robin involved? It's a quote from um, Aladdin that's like, oh my god. I can show you the world. It was world. like, when did you last let your heart decide? Yeah. And Batman goes, when my parents died and I decided on justice. <laughs> I think I've seen it. You sure that's not just from the Lego movie? Yeah. Um... But I'm gonna. Oh boy. Okay, let's describe. <laughs> let's describe. It's Batman in a fetal position on top of a flying Superman, like as a magic carpet. And Superman says, "I can show you the, the world. world." And Bruce says, "Stop it." And Clark says, "Shining, shimmering, splendid." And Bruce says, "You promised." And Clark says, "Tell me, princess, when did you last let your heart decide?" And Bruce said, "I was eight. I decided on justice." <laughs> that was great. Upcoming stuff. Um. Oh, I have two more. Ryan Reynolds is making a parody of Home Home Alone called Stoned Alone. Okay. A weed-based movie. So there's that. How do you feel about Ryan Reynolds and, and Blake Lively's social media bantering? That they joke about divorce. Is that okay? Um, They've always had good social media media bantering okay so you're saying that's good okay i think it's fine i think it's better than like jennifer Gardner and ben affleck who just constantly said how much work marriage is and then eventually got divorced wow okay i'm about done with this podcast um i have two more things okay um one of them is going to be a little bit of a discussion i think okay did you see anything about the insatiable movie on netflix the scandal about it oh i was gonna say middle school Felt like it should have been a Netflix series. Like, is it like Thirteen Reasons Why? Huh? I felt like eighth grade. Like, it wasn't. It no, didn't need to be a motion all. picture. No. Like, it could have been like a short series or something, maybe. Like vignettes, as yeah. they say. Anyways. Um. No, Insatiable movie is about a girl who is fat and Ooh. has an accident where she has to get her jaw wired shut. And becomes skinny and then, like, takes vengeance on all the people that were mean to her when she was... My God, sign me up. See, but the problem is it's, like, super fat shaming. It's basically that, like, she can't be happy when she's fat and then she has to, like, get skinny to get vengeance. Yeah, that's right up my alley. A lot of people are upset about it. There's been a petition going around to, like, not show it because it, like, uh, 
buys into harmful ideals for like younger people that they need to like basically be anorexic and have an eating disorder and like stop eating in order to like be popular and live their dreams. No comment. <laughs> You're okay with it because it's a fantasy of yours? For people who have been fat and have gotten skinny and struggle with food every day, I'm sure it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. The, the negative comments were coming from a lot of people that were a bit more overweight and saying that it's really unhelpful, like a, an unhelpful portrayal or an unproductive portrayal that's like offensive to them or upsetting to them. But she gets justice. Does she though? Hmm. She's skinny and she gets justice. I don't see what's wrong. <laughs> okay. Okay. Seems like the best of all Maybe possible Maybe you can watch worlds. it if they release it. Hmm. Um, the last thing I want... Was it... Did you have any more? I got a great one at the end, but you go. Oh. So the last thing was... Um, so C.S. Picat has... Was I just fat shaming? Is a former fat person allowed to fat shame people? I guess I probably. Probably. Because hmm. you have like internalized anti-fat feelings. That's what I'm kind of trying to say. Yeah. Is that like, how could I not be anti-fat? Like, it seems impossible. Hmm. Um, C.S. Picat. Yep. Skinny skating god. That's what you usually say friend of the podcast. Skinny skating god. Um, so her short stories that go along in the Captain Prince universe. Better than, better than Sarah J. Mass's? Like a thousand times better. Did did I make you read The Adventures of Charles the I read A Cloth Merchant, for sure. That one was the best one. Did you finish that whole drink? How you doing, babe? So you're gonna be able to make dinner? Um, I'm always up for food. Former fat person. Um, so the Summer Palace was also really good, but it was very cheesy. It was very epilogue-y. Anyways, she's coming out with a short story. The short story is in a paperback. Albus Severus. In a paperback, which I really want. Sure. Yep. <laughs> Get it from the makers You're of Fence. All glassy-eyed. Um, I do need to renew my Fence subscription, too. Anyway, so I was excited that they're on paperback because I don't really believe it counts as owning it if it's on my Kindle. Cause, like, also should not count on book it. digits. I, you know what we need? Just ate a fly. That's you know how hungry I am. <laughs> you know what we need? We need like a one of those digital picture frames. Mm. Um, except on our bookshelf to have pic like the covers in color oh of God. pictures that we own on our ebooks. Gluten-free bagel bites and digital bookshelves. Right? My God. I think we need a digital bookshelf. We're deleting this podcast. <gasps> okay, really we need like to do a hologram. Okay, here, see that like wall over there? Yeah. We need to do like a hologram from that like shelf over to mm. there with like the spines of all of the books that we own. You like just it. touch it and it goes onto your Kindle. You just touch it and it comes up. Oh, it's like a vending machine. Yeah. Okay. But wouldn't that be cool as a way to like display all the books we have on Kindle but without having to buy a new like bookshelf? I think we should think about that. Okay. So the future. Okay. All right. What's your last one? Uh, it's time to play everyone's favorite game. Baseball, Do you know what it is? Baseball? No. From last week? You don't remember? A couple weeks ago? Will this make Bennett read Dune? Oh. <laughs> There, our answer is always going to be no. You would don't ruin you would the hate game so much. You would don't hate it so much. Don't ruin the game. You would hate it so much. It's like outer space sci-fi, but it's it's so boring. It's about farming and like giant worms and political intrigue and like. Can you? Mystical. Oh my god! You ruin this game every time. Okay. This week's installment, the new movie adaptation, will only out will only cover. Half, half well, the cover first half book. of the first book, yeah. And there's like a thousand books too. And Dune is one of the series where like the guy died and like his son or like someone has just those are the worst. Finish your fucking series. He's been ghostwriting the rest of them, and they're just getting progressively worse. There's like like ten of them now, and they're all like this big. Finish your series. I know. I have been let tempted. it die. I have been tempted. Oh to my die. god, who's gonna pick up Harry Potter because J.K. Rowling won't let it die? Oh god, I don't know her daughter. Um, I was tempted to buy Dune the other day, though, because I, there's some really nice covers of it, because it's such, like, a, a cult kind of thing. There's some really nice covers, so someday I might buy it just for the cover. Like, how is this even a fucking news story? I just received the latest draft of the Dune screenplay. This is for the first movie, covering approximately half the novel Dune. And it's one of two movies. Oh my god, they split the book in two, and it happened to split right at the halfway point. Wow. Breaking news. Will that make you watch Dune? Yeah, no. It's 
not even close. It's making me extra not want to watch it. It is a very long book, though. Uh, was Mo that it? Yeah. Mockingjay is the only book that deserved... No, it did not deserve to be two pieces. Deathly Hallows, I was okay with. Dobby! Dobby! Dobby is a free elf. He's dead. Is that it? I we're going to end it on Dobby is dead? <laughs> yeah. We're going to end it on Dobby is a free elf. It's a little bit of a happier... No. Um, so that was our podcast. Check out our Twitter at DDGetDown if you want to see some of the links or if you'd rather look at that Batman comic instead of listening to me describe it. But really, get on the Instagram. Enter us in more giveaways mm -hmm. so that we can stay afloat financially. Follow at BookDigits on Instagram. Yep. And you can follow me at Heather324 on Twitter or at 324Heather on Instagram just to mix it up. Woo! Um, otherwise, we will see you not next week. Taking a week off. Taking a week off. We'll see you the week Summer after. Summer vacation. We're going to be live from the Minnesota Hartford, State Fair. Minnesota State Fair soon. Oh, yeah. It's almost State Fair time. Yep. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and we'll see you next time. Peace. You got to get down with the get down. Well now, get down, get down, earth, get down, whoa, get down, earth, get down, whoa, maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing. Get down, get down, get down, get down.